don't know if I should record an intro. But here I am. So I've been playing with this idea of starting a podcast for years now. And I'm very much a procrastinator and be like halfway part time shy. So I wasn't really sure if I was ever going to go through with it or what I would talk about. So I'm just going to talk about whatever I want to. I've been MIA for a little tick and it's just because of life. Like, I had to get a new car, I had to get a new phone, life, life happened. But I'm back in the saddle now, so we're going to continue on like nothing happened, okay? First up, basketball. Um, I'm looking at the Western Conference standings, and Utah didn't want their people get injured. Yeah, somebody's injured on Utah. The Suns are sitting in second place. They're really good. The Clippers are in third place. I know Kawhi, I think he missed the last couple of games from some injury. Uh, Denver, yes, somebody's injured on Denver. Uh, The Lakers are in fifth place. Still no LeBron or AD. I think AD got cleared for, he got cleared for something, but I don't think we're going to see him for another week. And then LeBron, the last I heard, was like another three to five out. And what did I say? They're going to slip down into that play-in situation And I just don't trust them in a one-and-done scenario. Portland is in sixth place. Uh, Dallas is in seventh place. Dallas has been so back and forth this season. Like, they'll give you some really good shit, and then it'll be like, now what is going on here? What is this? Like, Dallas, I don't know what's going on there. Memphis is doing better than I thought. Now, Memphis, you know, last season, the first play-in situation, um, I really wanted Memphis to win. Um, but they're still very um, exciting to watch and still, you know, putting the pieces together. They look they look decent. Golden State Warriors, I mean, they are trying their best to fail. Steph can give them 35, 45, 53. They're going to they're gonna try their might to lose. And they're in that ninth spot. And I'm hoping that they can jump maybe to like seventh place or something. I just don't want to see all the greatness of Steph Curry go to waste with this G League squad. There's, like, nobody on the team. I'm sorry. Um, Tenth place is the Spurs. You know, the Spurs are still boring to watch. Normally, it used to be that the Spurs were boring to watch because they were so good and they were so consistent. This team is boring to watch because they're not doing anything. But they're in tenth place. The, The Pelicans. Oh, my God. I don't understand I don't understand why they can't finish games. I was watching last night um, they lost to Brooklyn in the game before that when they completely blew up in the last portion of the fourth quarter against the Knicks. I don't know what the issue is and why they can't finish games. It's just, it's troubling to me. But they're in 11th place right now. And I think they're like four and a half games off from that 10th place spot. There's still some basketball to be played, but I don't trust them. I certainly don't trust them in a one and done situation, but I, who knows? The Sacramento Kings are in 12th place. I don't know why anybody expects them to be good. Um, as long as Luke Walton is the head coach. You know what? I can't just put it on Luke. Even though I don't trust him as a head coach, I can't just put it on Luke Walton. There's a series of individuals that need to go from the top down. The Kings are just, they're just the bottom of the barrel. They're, they're, anyway, 13th place is OKC Thunder. They've had some rough times as of late. The Timberwolves are in 14th place. I don't know. I guess, you know, Anthony Edwards is really exciting to watch. So people are like, 
I don't know, thinking that the Timberwolves are going to give him something. Uh, I'm just not a believer in Carl Anthony Towns to be like the leader of the, the franchise. I just, they need something else. They've had different coaches. Maybe they need some changes in the GMs to give him some different type of help. I don't know. But I just don't see the Timberwolves in a winning fashion ever. And currently they're ranked 14th. And dead last is the Houston Rockets, who have just had the actually okay. So the Timberwolves are sixteen and forty three, and the Rockets are fifteen and forty three. So they're only like one win off, but still equally trash. Um, the Rockets have just had a rough road, and I hate that because they have a new coach, and I would want for this new coach, first time head coach, to have a better go of it. But that's just like not the case. It, it no, it's not the case. So let's take a quick gander at the Eastern Conference. Doc Rivers and company in the 76ers. Doc Rivers was exactly what Joel Embiid needed. Exactly the head coach that Joel Embiid needed because they're just, they're so good. And I just did not see this coming last season. Not to be number one in the Eastern Conference at any stretch of the imagination. I love it. I love it. I'm all for it. The Nets are number two. Um, but uh, James Harden is out indefinitely. And KD has the thigh bruise, whatever. So it's just Kyrie. But, I mean, Kyrie is Kyrie. But they're number two. The Milwaukee Bucks are number three. Um, They're also, even though they're number three in the Eastern, they've given me some games that are like head scratchers. They've had some moments where you're like, what the hell are they doing? But for now, I guess it works. The Atlanta Hawks are number four. I'm just going to, the Atlanta Hawks are fourth in the conference. Moving along. Number five is the New York Knicks. Also another surpriser. Tom Thibodeau was exactly who they needed. Very hard-nosed coach. Um, and yeah, and Julius Randle is just playing his ass off. It's great. It's great. Uh, it's good basketball. The Celtics are number six. Now, the Celtics I thought would be ranked higher. I thought they would have a better season. Um, I still think they could get something done in the playoffs, but if the playoffs started today, they would be playing uh, the Bucks. Well, no, I think they could. I think they could beat the Bucks in a playoff series, but no, the Celtics. I thought they would. They should be doing better than what they are. Uh, the Heat are number seven. Uh, I haven't really watched a whole lot of the Heat this season. Um, I know they were talking about somebody was talking about Tyler Hero having his like sophomore year slump or whatever, but yeah. Mm. I mean, we'll see. The The Heat are like a team that they're very much like you got to watch them towards the end. So we'll see this last couple of weeks of the regular season what they do. The Charlotte Hornets are in eighth place, but rookie of the year, LaMelo, was just cleared for, uh, I think, individual uh, basketball. I don't know, but he's on his way back. He's making a comeback. I think someone said like maybe um, seven to ten days he'll be back on the court. I hope so. They've done a good job of keeping it relatively afloat, um, but I think once he gets back in and gets his feet wet, they're for sure going to be a playoff team. Number nine is the Pacers. Um, number 10 is the Bulls. I haven't watched either one of those teams a whole lot. And then you've got the Wizards in 11th place. Um, my fault. I cut myself off. You've got the Wizards in 11th place. I thought that um, that's actually really good for them because, uh, ooh, yeah, mm-hmm. They managed to win 24 games this season, which is cool. Great for the Wizards. 
I'm still almost in that. Um, oh, they're actually tied with Chicago. So they must, Chicago must have like the tiebreaker or something. I don't know how exactly that works. But they're not too far away from that playing situation. So good for the Wizards. Uh, the Raptors of Toronto slash Tampa Bay are in 12th place. They have been playing atrocious this year. Just, just, mm -mm, just bad. Uh, the Cavaliers are in 13th place. I just don't think they'll ever be. They're like the, the Sacramento Kings. No, I can't because at least the, the Cavs had like, no, at least the Kings had a period where they had some solid players like, you know, Chris Webber, Vladi Diva. Yeah, that's how far back it goes with the Kings being watchable. Um, but Cleveland is just never going to have, they had LeBron and now he's not there no more. And I just don't know how long it's going to take for them to get something else because what did it take like 50 60 years however long they had a team before they got to LeBron so I just don't think the Cavaliers are ever going to give their fans anything to cheer for uh 14th Orlando Magic and did they get rid of uh Aaron Gordon Eric Gordon Aaron yeah Aaron Gordon yeah because he's in was he in Chicago or Detroit or he's somewhere else anyways they're in 14th place looking piss poor and then of course Detroit Pistons are looking piss poor by the way, I think it's hilarious how Blake Griffin's game just returned to the days of old as soon as he landed in Brooklyn, but I'm not mad at it. Like, I appreciate it. It's it's kind of petty, but I'm all for it. I'm glad that he's he has a chance to see some playoff days that I feel he deserves, and he's still got it. What is, is he 30 yet? He might be 30, 29-ish. He's, he's up there, but I'm glad that he's still, he's healthy, and he's playing some really respectable basketball so yeah that's my basketball i'm playing around with some different things to figure out this microphone situation um it doesn't sound the way i want it to sound so have a little patience and give me some suggestions okay this is coming from wsb tv news channel 2 out here in the atlanta area uh an invasive species of mussel has been found in north georgia the Georgia Department of Natural Resources posted on Tuesday that zebra mussels were found on a boat at Lake Lanier after it was used on the Tennessee River near Chattanooga, Tennessee. The boat owner spotted the mussels on the boat and called DNR. Officials removed about a gallon of dead mussels from the boat and worked with the owner to ensure the vessel was drained, cleaned properly, and thoroughly dried. Uh, DNR commended the owners for recognizing the issue and taking the necessary steps. Zebra mussels, a species native to Eastern Europe that has spread to many U.S. waters, including Tennessee River, pose a significant risk to Georgia. Authorities said the mussels, uh, if they establish here, they could spur major ecological and economic damage. Uh, zebra mussels and other aquatic invasive species can cause millions of dollars in damage to boats and water intake pipes while undermining native mussels and other aquatic species. Uh, the discovery came about a month ago. Some Georgia pet stores may have the mussels attached to moss ball plants and other products. People are urged not to purchase this product from stores or online. If you purchased this item in the last month, dispose of it properly and sanitize your tanks. Now, invasive species do pose a threat to the local flora and fauna. Um, and they're talking about they're going to damage the pipes and all of that. I just want to know what pipes we're talking about. Uh, first of all, why would anybody be on Lake Lanier? I don't understand how people go there. I don't understand why people would put their vessel in the water, but whatever. But yeah, I definitely um, will not be in Lake Lanier or on the beach to just 
that you uh, identify these muscles. I'm not going to discover any type of invasive species anywhere near Lake Lanier, but I think that it's important that DNR get that out because if for some reason you rely on some type of fishing waters in that area, this invasive species is not going to stay in one. You know, if, if this boat owner had not recognized it and it called DNR, then he would have taken his vessel to the next place and the next place and the next place, and then you have zebra mussels everywhere. So, yeah. Um, what does this thing even look like? Why are they called zebra mussels? They don't look like zebras. And they came from Eastern Europe. So, if for some reason you know what those look like, and if for some reason you are on Lake Lanier, hopefully safely and hopefully in one piece, uh, sure, let call DNR and let them know that you have found these horrible, rotten, no-good muscles. Alright, more news from WSB, from uh, Nicole Carr out of Cobb County. There's a newly released federal report that concludes political interference blocked and delayed the Environmental Protection Agency from warning the public of cancer risks tied to a now-shuttered Illinois medical sterilization plant. But we knew that already. Uh, the report and plant practices are raising new questions amongst lawmakers and activists who have been fighting the operations here in Georgia since 2019. At the same time, the state denies any federal interference or pressure has impacted its decision tied to Georgia operations and the public release of data on the cancer-causing gas ethylene oxide, which is a lie. On Friday, the EPA's Inspector General released a report centered around the medical sterilization plant Sterogenics. An investigation included Bill Wareham, a lobbyist, attorney, and Trump-appointed lead over the EPA's Air and Radiation Office, directed agency investigators not to release monitoring results to the public. The report concludes Bill was behind blocking 2018 efforts to publicize ETO gas data linked to the Chicago area sterogenics facility. He resigned in 2019, of course, amid ethics violations concerns that he, as an attorney, was representing the some, some of the same environmental stakeholders uh-huh, he was appointed to regulate. Uh-huh. In the same year, Illinois environmental officials banned sterogenics from using ethylene oxide. It led the plant to shut down. Um, July 2019, a WebMD a Web investigation revealed Georgia's Environmental Protection Division had been warned of heightened uh, ethylene oxide cancer risk through EPA data in 2017 and 2018, but both uh, Governors Deal and Kemp administration said they'd learned of the potential risk through the news reporting and its data released that year. Kemp would go on to launch a series of investigations into the operations that would eventually be mandated by the state to lower its ethylene oxide emissions. Uh, the timeline has always made us question why, and we got our answer. This is per Janet Rao, who heads the Stop Sterogenics Georgia Groups, a grassroots organization of activists and people living and working around the plant operations. She said on Monday that a representative of the group was attending a pre-planned meeting within the state EPD as the group looks to tackle the issue again in a public forum this week. State Representative and Lieutenant Governor Candidate Eric Allen represents the Cobb District where Sterogenics operates. He introduced a handful of legislation aimed at regulating ETO admissions. Um, there's some bipartisan support, but he couldn't get a hearing on three other measures. Um, but I mean, I thought we knew already 
that Trump had put someone in charge of the EPA who was lobbying on behalf of the companies that the EPA is supposed to regulate. That's not news. The, the article from Ms. Carr is a lot longer and a lot more in-depth and will probably piss you off if um, you read it. But uh, this is a person who has somehow nominated himself for a Nobel Peace Prize, who's perfectly fine fumigating your own population, perfectly fine giving an entire area, a metro area, not even down in the country. Like Cobb County is it's not exactly close to Atlanta, but it's within like a 30-mile parameter. In a metro area, this plant is emitting this gas that we know causes cancer. And you're cool with that, and you don't want the public to find out about it, and we have to go through all these hoops and loops to get to the truth. Nonsense. And I'm hoping that somehow we apply some kind of pressure to get some people uh, brought to justice because of this. Um, cancer is no joke, and you know this stuff is going to cause cancer, and you're perfectly fine with the fumes just going all out and through the community. Shame on you. Okay, so let me bleed to y'all real quick. So, I happen to have really bad allergies and also asthma. So, living in the South um, during the springtime can be pretty rough. So, A, that's why I sound really, really raspy and harsh because I'm taking a lot more medicine than normal. But also, um, I spoke to my doctor about the COVID vaccine. Now, at first, I was like, yeah, I don't know if I won't take it, the science, da, da, da. But my doctor, who I trust, was like, girl, you better, because I, you know, almost died last year. I think I had COVID last year, but it wasn't confirmed. But yeah, I was sick from like February to October. So she said, yeah, I would suggest that you for sure get the vaccine. Okay, okay. How do I get a vaccine? Well, through my doctor's office, they had availabilities that were nowhere near me. And I thought, I just don't want to drive 30 miles for a vaccine because that's two trips because you got to have the first dose and the second dose, right? Right. So then I say, well, there's got to be something with, you know, Clayton County. They got to have something. You have to call the health department every week and then they filter you out as to what your precon, um, what your medical conditions are and all that. And they just schedule week to week, but I promise you, they never have availability. So you could go to um, one of the ladies at the car dealership was like, well, just call, you know, Walgreens or CVS and see if they have any availability. So I had to go pick up a prescription. And so the uh, farm tech was like, well, we'll write your name and number down and we'll call you. But when we call you, you only have like 30 minutes to get here or we go to the next person which doesn't work for me either. So finally, just through Google, and I'm going to share this so anyone who's interested, if you live in the metro Atlanta area, um, this uh, if you Google VRAS Georgia, V as in Victor, R as in Robert, A as in Alpha, S as in Sam, Georgia, Google it. The first thing that comes up is COVID-19 vaccination registration. And you go through the prompt, and you have to do this this is only for the first dose. And they'll tell you how to get the second dose when you get there. Um, and they go through and you fill out the questionnaire. This is actually through the Department of Public Health, but it's not like your county's Department of Public Health. Um, and you can schedule same-day vaccination. 
and it actually takes place at the Georgia International Convention Center um, off of, it's right off of Camp Creek Parkway. It's right near the, the airport. And um, it's a very streamlined situation. I didn't wait that long from the time I got there. And there was quite a few people there. You know, they're socially distanced in there. People have masks on, whatever. Um, but I got my first dose in no time. Your arm, my arm got sore. Um, I kind of felt like, well, my arm got sore when I got a flu shot. But it's like flu shot tetanus type of soreness lasts maybe a day, day and a half. Um, I didn't have any issues. I didn't have the headache, the nausea, any of that. Um, any issue that I have is more so because of my allergies slash asthma, not because of the, the vaccine. But if you're interested in the Georgia area and getting your vaccine, because it's so hard to even find information on where to go. I don't understand why it's such a hidden thing if you want people to get it. But yeah, go to VRAS Georgia, uh, Google that, and then go to the COVID-19 vaccination registration and, and get yourself together. You can set up for whoever, whatever, and they allow you to tell them um, if you have any kind of disabilities, mental disabilities, um, if you are sometimes you work at like a power plant or uh, essential workers, things like that. Um, and they'll let you go through the prompt. And then after you, um, you should get an email and you take that email to the front desk. Even if you don't have the email, they can, but it's easier if you have your QR code. And because that's your QR code, they're going to, I guess, update. And that's how you go through the prompts to schedule your second. I have my second already scheduled. That's how you do it through your, your email. But yeah, check them out if you're interested in the, in the I would say, Fulton County, Clayton County. Um, I would even try for Fayette and, and uh, Henry County or Cobb and Douglas, anywhere in the metro Atlanta area. If you're interested, see if you can go through VRAS, Georgia. They may have something closer to you if you're farther out, but that's where I went. And um, yeah, so if that's what you're interested in, check that out. Okay, I'm singing per Reuters. Is it Reuters or Rudders? I never know how to officially pronounce that. Anywho, future governor of Georgia, Stacey Abrams, has been uh, nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, this is coming out of Oslo, uh, Norway. U.S. voting rights activist and Democratic Party politician Stacey Abrams has been nominated for this year's Nobel Peace Prize for her work to promote nonviolent change via the ballot box. Abrams, whose work was credited with boosting voter turnout this year, helping Joe Biden win the presidency, yes ma'am, joins a long list of nominees, including, for some reason, Donald Trump and Jared Kushner, which sounds like a landslide victory. Abrams' work follows in Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s footsteps in the fight for equality before the law and for civil rights, says Lars Haltbrecken, a Socialist Party member of Norway's parliament. Uh, they talk about Martin Luther King. And da, 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 da. Abrams' efforts to complete King's work are crucial if the United States of America shall succeed in its effort to create fraternity between all its people and a peaceful and just society. Uh, thousands of people are eligible to propose candidates, and nomination does not imply endorsement from the Nobel Committee. Who else? Other candidates include Russian dissident Alexei Navalny. Is he out of... Did they release him? I gotta go back and find out. Uh, the World Health Organization and Greta Thunberg. Didn't she win already? How many Nobel Prizes can you win? I promise you Greta Thun Thunberg won already, right? She won already, didn't she? 
Uh, let's see, the U.S. Black Lives Matter movement, as well as Daniel Ellsberg, who leaked the Pentagon Papers, and Barbara Lee, uh, U.S. Congresswoman. Uh, oh, no, take that back. Daniel Ellsberg, who leaked the Pentagon Papers about Vietnam War, U.S. Congresswoman Barbara Lee, and WikiLeaks, have all been nominated, as have pro-democracy and civil rights campaigners from Belarus to Poland and Hungary. Oh, Okay. And they announced it in October. But, you know, I'm all for Stacey Abrams because when Kemp and his folks stole the election from her, she said, you know what, I'm going to sit down for a tick. I'm going to be quiet for a minute when she finally conceded that they stole the election from her. And she said, but I'll be back. They didn't know she said that because she said it to herself. But Stacey said, I'll be back. And she politely collected her folks and started campaigning and strategizing so they won't steal another election. I know that much. And she and her organization, trust me, if you live in the Atlanta metro area like I do, you know when, especially, okay, before the general election, it was all kinds of, you know, making sure you were registered to vote, making sure that you um, knew who the candidates were and all that. But the runoff situation, when I tell you that, we weren't getting regular mail because of DeJoy and his foolishness, but we were getting postcards every day in the mailbox. Postcards and, like, uh, the little things that you put on the doorknobs for for Ossoff and Warnock. I mean, it was relentless. It was making sure that nobody, nobody was unaware of who they were. Like, two-year-olds know who John Ossoff is simply because of the exposure from Stacey Abrams and her campaigns, um, the television commercials. I mean, it was, she was, her people are not playing. So I also, I absolutely agree that she should be nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize because her work, her groundwork, and the, the, the risks that they took to make sure that more Georgians voted this year than ever before and that people got their voices heard. And they're also, uh, I think, doing something about the um, how unfair it is because if you if you in the black on the black side of town you are going to wait hours upon hours upon hours to vote and you know Kemp and his folks just made this whole you know voting uh, validation nonsense where they don't want people to be able to early vote or absentee vote so you're going to be waiting in line six seven plus hours to vote even if you go for early voting and if you go to certain poor neighborhoods, the machines don't work. There's always a discrepancy. I'm telling you firsthand experience. There's always a discrepancy. The machines don't work or they don't have the right kind of ballots, whatever, whatever. And Abrams and her people are investigating that and making sure that it gets fully investigated on a federal level and that they're trying to make things right and make things actually equal in terms of voting. And so kudos to Stacey Abrams. I hope she gets it. Um, black girl excellence and all that. Because I have other things to do, uh, I'm now thoroughly invested in the life and times of the zebra mussels. So according to the United States Geological Survey, they have a page, literally, what are zebra mussels and why should we care about them? And it reads, zebra mussels are an invasive fingernail-sized mollusk, whose fingernail, that is native to fresh waters in Eurasia. Their name comes from the dark zigzag stripes on each cell on each shell, Ooh, where'd I get a cell from? Zebra mussels probably arrived in the Great Lakes, oh, in the 1980s via ballast water. 
that was discharged by large ships from Europe. I don't know what ballast water is, but okay, it came from Europe. They have spread rapidly throughout the Great Lakes region and into the large rivers of the eastern Mississippi drainage. They have also been found in Texas, Colorado, Utah, Nevada, and California. So it's spread throughout the country now, these zebra mollusks, since the 80s. Uh, zebra mussels negatively impact ecosystems in many ways. They filter out algae, oh, that native species need for food, and they attach to and incapacitate native mussels. Power plants must also spend millions of dollars removing zebra mussels from clogged water intakes. Oh, okay. And I saw uh, that they cost U.S. businesses like $5 billion because they have to go through and reclean their pipelines or whatever. But that makes sense. They filter out algae. That's probably why they would be attractive to the private pet people. You know, if you have a water tank and you've got all these different fish in there, you need a cleaner a zebra mussel, I guess, would be an attractive um, species. But I wonder if, if it's invasive. I wonder if it's illegal. Like, have they made it illegal to purchase this? Or are they just saying, hey, please don't because of what um, what comes of it? I'm going to see if they're illegal. Hold on. The Zion Latif Williamson, my little cousin in my eyes, is releasing his first signature shoe under the Jordan brand, Jordan Zion 1. There's four different colorways. By the way, I didn't know what colorways was until a couple years ago. A co-worker of mine told me that that's what they called. Um, I forgot what I was calling them before. But anyway, colorways. So the first one is Jin Zion. I think that's a black and white shoe. He has one called Noah after his adorable little brother. It's um, a bunch of different colors. It's really cute. And then there's one called Marion, which is his tribute to Marion, South Carolina, where he's from, where I'm going to school at. Shouts out to Francis Marion. And the ZNA, which is like a blue and purpley one. Uh, they're starting to roll out, I think, April 23rd. I think in like a month, all four of them will be out, or like a month and a half. But yeah, so go Zion with your signature shoe. That worked fast. Okay, so yes. It is illegal to um, own, sell, or distribute live zebra mussels in the United States. So, yeah, the people are required to report their discovery within 48 hours. Okay, so, I mean, it's not like the boat owner did anything grand. He followed the law. They, you have to report this or you can go to jail. It's a misdemeanor. Uh, fine $2,000, jail time up to 180 days or both. Oh, wow. So they are most definitely invasive, and the U.S. does not want them here. Too bad they're here, but I guess they're trying to. Well, I wonder if it's an invasive species, if they find a species that would eat it, would they incorporate that? But also then, would that species be invasive as well? I wonder what eats. See, I'm all into this thing now. I wonder what eats a zebra mussel, and if you got that into those waters, so would that thing be invasive? Is it like carp? Like, what eats a zebra mussel? Can people eat zebra mussels? So I got this email about this particular news incident, and I'm like, hmm, that's, that's really interesting. So the president of Chad passed away this past weekend, uh, Idris Deby. He died on the front lines. There was a, a military, a, a rebel coup of some sort close to the Capitol, and he went out there to the front lines. Now, this president actually came into power via military uprising. He was um, 
an army officer. Uh, he was in power for like 30 years, going back to the 90s. And he had the support of France because he was coming out, I guess he was um, anti-jihadist in, in his region of, of Africa. So as a result, now he just won re-election, but I believe he ran unopposed. I believe he ran unopposed. So it would have been his sixth term, six terms in office. And so as a result of him not having a president, now they don't have the government and the parliament um, has dissolved. So now they have a statewide curfew. The borders have been shut down. Um, so he actually went to the front lines right like up the block from the capital, um, Jamina. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, and the rebels belong to a group say, calling themselves FACT, F-A-C-T, which stands for Front for Change and Concord in Chad. So they're having a state funeral on Friday. Um, I'm not sure how the rebels, if the rebels are going to allow for that. I don't know how you have a state funeral if you don't have a government or a parliament in place. But yeah, I mean, hey, you live by as you die by it, right? I said I wasn't going to go here. I was going to keep this kind of off of my podcast, but I can't and I won't and I'm I'm not going to block it because I don't get the luxury to cut off being black. So we're going to talk about some black shit that's uncomfortable for some reason for those people who aren't black and who don't want to see it through the perspective of black folks. So the Justice Department has announced uh, via Attorney General Merrick Garland they're going to waste taxpayer money by going into some kind of probe to see whether Minneapolis um, has some uh, policies and practices that are harmful to non-white people. I'm going to save you the trouble. Yes, they do. And it's not just them. Um, You don't need to establish more policies and practices. What you need to do is be honest with yourself and with this country about the origins of police, why they existed in the first place, then we can go further with not hiring racist officers and not hiring officers who only want to be cops because they've been bullied their whole life and the whole way, only way for them in their mind to not be bullied is to become the bully. You need to have some actual training of your officers on how to deal with certain groups of people. You need to have officers who are policing their own communities and not going outside of where they live to enforce these racist practices and policies. You need to be honest about those racist and, and ra- racist and prejudiced practices and policies. You need to delegate. Some things are not police matters. And you need to be able to tell your citizens that is not a police matter. We are not seeing the police, but we'll get you over to these people so they can help you. Until we do all of those things and, and emphasis on the not hiring racist officers, we need to stop letting these off racist officers hide behind these police unions. We need to charge these police unions for these wrongful death lawsuits so that we, the taxpayers, don't have to pay for these officers chopping down black people left and right. Now, if your probe, Mr. Garland, isn't going to cover all of that and isn't going to come up with those kind of solutions, you can stop with the bullshit. Because just as the verdict was read for Derek Chauvin, the police in Columbus, Ohio, chopped down this black girl who called them for help Oh, because she had a knife in her hand. She was being threatened by a group of individuals. So she was trying to hold her own until, quote unquote, help arrived and help arrives and shoots her. And then tells the people on scene that, quote, blue lives matter. There's no such thing as a blue life, but that's an argument I'm not even going to get into right now. 
what is the purpose of taxpayers paying for these officers to carry tasers if that is not their first line of defense? If she had a knife, you had a taser, and you had a gun, why is your first option that gun? Not to mention, Miss Lady from, from uh, Minneapolis is probably shaking in her boots because I'm sure she got the, she saw the verdict like we did. Miss, I thought I'd grab my taser, even though it doesn't look or feel anything like a gun. We don't need the Justice Department to tell us that the police are racist. We, we got that. Clear as day, we get it. We get it. And it's, it's, it's too little too late. I, I'm not really interested in reforming the police. I don't believe that the police as they are constructed can be reformed. I am fully with defunding the police, and I understand what defunding the police means. It doesn't mean abolishing. Now, some people are for abolishing. I do believe there are instances where you need the actual police, but you need police who are not racist, who are properly trained, and who don't get off on using that badge against people who don't have that badge. Until you get that, y'all's little probe is pointless and you can keep it. See, this is why I shouldn't be left unattended with the internet. Um, I have a laundry list of things to do today, including take my next breathing treatment, but um, I'm fully all the way in on the zebra stripe, uh, muscles, zebra things. Anywho, so I found Grace College. I don't know where that is, but they have a Lily Center for Lakes and Streams. Well, they talk about the zebra muscles. You can really get in depth about what they eat, some type of cyanobacteria, and what they are and where they come from. They have a segment here called What Eats Zebra Mussels? And I'm going to read it because I care that much. Where they are from, zebra mussels have a whole host of natural predators. Birds, fish, and many other creatures consume these small, crunchy-coated nuggets. Oh, wow. Here in northern Indiana, oh, that's where Grace College is, northern Indiana. However, the list of organisms that can control the zebra mussel population is much, much more limited, which is what makes them so... Uh, horrible as an invasive species. Uh, of all the species that live here, only a few fish have ever been seen to eat zebra mussels, specifically smallmouth bass, yellow perch, and red ear sunfish. Never heard of it. And even then, they do not eat enough to make much of a difference. Likely, the biggest predator here in the Midwest is the crayfish, which can eat dozens of small mussels. Oh, that's not enough. <clears throat> Excuse me. On a related note, one species that definitely can, but really should not, eat zebra mussels is us, homo sapiens. Eating zebra mussels is a health risk due to the fact that they are filter fetus. Oh, it's like eating tilapia. As they filter the water, pollutants like heavy metals or pesticides can get stuck and accumulate inside their shells. Do not try to cook them for dinner. Which is, you know, we need to be more vigilant about the types of, like, seafood we eat. Because if it's a, a filter feeder or bottom feeder or whatever, that's always going to be the case. It's always going to be the risk, which is why I brought up tilapia. It's a bottom feeder. It's eating all the nasties. And it's, depending on, I guess, when you kill it, it hasn't processed the nasties. So the nasties are still all up and through the flesh. So, yeah, we cannot eat the zebra mussels. Um, and we don't have enough. Uh, we don't have enough, um, what did they just say? What did I just read? What eats them? We don't have enough of those bass or perch or, uh, 
sunfish to um, keep them keep the population low. And I don't think we leave enough crayfish in the water to uh, get rid of them. So yeah, we, we gotta keep the, the zebra mussel population down. And that is the rabbit hole for the hour. Okay, so I'm deciding to go further in my testimony of how shitty voting is here um, in Georgia. So I live in Clayton County. And um, the last time I voted, not the last time, because I did absentee voting for the presidency. I did early or absentee, I don't even remember, for the runoff. But let's go back to the, was it the primary, not the primaries, but the midterm elections. Okay, so I go to my regular um, voting station or voting polling place and the line is not that long, and I got there like 30 minutes after the polls opened. But then the line stopped. There was never any movement. And there's never any, they act like they can't tell you what's going on. The poll workers have to act completely ignorant of what's going on. But people are getting pissed off because we've been standing here for two hours and we the line has not budged at all. So finally, one of the voters finally got, was somehow able to get their vote in, and they said, they're out of ballots. How are you out of ballots the day of voting at 8 o'clock in the morning? How are you out of ballots? And so they sent the sheriff's unit that's supposed to stay there for safety to another polling place to see if he had they had any ballots. So then we wait 30 plus minutes for him to come back with the wrong ballots. So finally, someone decided to be a rogue poll worker and tell us what the F was going on. They said, well, we're down to so many computers. They, they First they said that they were down to so many um, voting machines. Then they said that they only had Republican ballots. So if you wanted to cast your vote, you could either just use the Republican ballot or you could write in on the Republican ballot what your answers were. But, you know, writing in has to match exactly. And I said, hmm, that's strange to me that we're out of ballots at 8 o'clock in the morning. Why would you have more Republican ballots than, than Democrat? Because they said that they gave us more Republican ballots than Democrat ballots. Why would you do such a thing? This isn't even a Democratic county. Like, at what Who's in, who made that determination? And why is it that you weren't willing to tell us? And this isn't the first time. Every time I go to my local polling place, there is either the machines, half the machines don't work, or they don't have the ballots, or a combination of both. And you can't help but feel like it is intentional because it only happens in predominantly black, mid to low socioeconomic status neighborhoods. It does not happen in these rich environments. It does not happen in predominantly white neighborhoods. And it does not happen in neighborhoods that Republicans generally carry. So again, kudos to Stacey Abrams for getting in that ass and getting things done. I hope she gets her Nobel Prize. And I hope that she runs for governorship again. And I hope that whatever Democrat comes through here or independent, socialist, whatever, whatever non-Republican comes through and mops the floor with Kemp and these Republicans out here in Georgia.
All right, this comes courtesy of CBS 46 News. Uh, a man in Powder Springs, Georgia, is being indicted for defrauding a college out of more than $2 million. 34-year-old Dennis O. McCory um, had some kind of business email scheme that targeted a Pennsylvania university. Uh, he sent the university uh, information that he was supposed to be some kind of medical supply company, and then they had payment instructions that directed the school to send funds to uh, an account that was supposed to belong to a medical company. And um, somehow this came up to be about $2 million. I'm not sure how many times they sent money. And then the money was moved from that bank account to other bank accounts associated with McCory's logistics company. Some of the money went to Kenya and the other people associated with himself. And uh, who was this? Special Agent Chris Hacker, in charge of FBI Atlanta, says, quote, business email compromise schemes like this alleged one are a big reason why the Georgia Cyber Fraud Task Force comprised of federal, state, and local agencies was launched in February. It takes a combination of education and our priority to investigate and prosecute these cases to make it a deterrent to those who contemplate committing these crimes. Okay, I got a couple of things here. First of all, I need to know what school this was that started sending funds to this alleged company. Didn't do no type of research, didn't Google this company, didn't look at the company website. Like, how exactly does this man get y'all out of $2 million? And was this a one-time payment? You mean to tell me nobody from the school said, okay, let me go to the facility and see what they got going on? Let me go, if I'm spending that much money, let me go and see the facility. Let me go see where my medical supplies are coming from. And also, um, just as a disgruntled college student, I mean, how much money have they stolen from students? I'm sure it equals more than $2 million. So yeah, Dennis McCory and all his associates um, will probably see lengthy jail sentences. Um, but I, I need to know what school this is because how, how Craig, how Sway, how? So, um, Georgian churches are issuing a boycott of the Home Depot because the Home Depot has refused to speak out against these restrictive voting laws in Georgia, even um, going as far as to telling the Washington Post that they don't oppose the laws. So several, um, oh, like a thousand different church leaders, um, including Bishop Reginald Jackson over the 6th District of the AME Church, the African Methodist Episcopalian Church, um, is speaking out against Home Depot. They also refuse to go to like an event um, with other corporate and church officials to, I guess, discuss further. So yeah, we, the black faithful, um, are skipping the Home Depot and I guess we're taking our business back to Lowe's. Remember the story um, not too long ago where the black couple was trying to sell their home? And they had it appraised while they were in it, and then while some white folks were in it, and there was a discrepancy. And some people tried to pretend like that was just some kind of a snafu. And when I say some people, I mean people who don't want to accept that racial equality is very much, we're very much not there. So Redfin, which is um, a real estate brokerage based out of Seattle, they released a report that the average home in predominantly black neighborhoods 
is valued $46,000 less on average than a comparable home in a white neighborhood. And this is over 7 million homes that they have this data. And they have the report available if you want to read it. And their senior economist, Reginald Edwards, says, this is a direct quote, our analysis rules out all the factors that are typically associated with home value and still finds a significant difference between the values of otherwise nearly identical homes in similar black and white neighborhoods. We are left with biased and systemic racism to explain the variation in home values. Today's black homeowners are missing out on $46,000 worth of wealth due to racist housing policies that were outlawed in the 60s in the 60s and continuing biases among home buyers and housing professionals in parts of the home buying process like appraisals and mortgage lending and that's $46,000 that would multiply as the years go on and benefit future generations. Mic drop. Mic drop on that one. So when we talk about things like generational wealth and how black people are not afforded those same opportunities, this is some of the shit that we're talking about. It's not, oh, get a job and raise your credit score and da-da-da-da. We're not going to have access to the same things. First of all, the bank is discriminatory in their lending practices. The mortgage lenders um, are, are discriminatory in their practices. And then also the homes in areas that we, that we would feel more comfortable in or homes that are not in white, lily white neighborhoods are undervalued by appraisers. And so our future generations are missing out on that real estate, that property value that they can carry on and that they can have as part of their, their investments. We don't have access to that. So it's generationally being behind on top of the shit that we face on a day to day. These are the things that we're talking about. When we say systemic racism, we mean systematic. We mean all throughout every portion of society. We are at a disadvantage still. And these policies they're talking about are from the 1960s. From the 1960s. Some, some people, our grandparents, great-grandparents that were born around that time that are still being victimized by these policies in terms of their homes, their homework, their land work. This is still very much an issue that we have to correct by force. We have to correct it. Okay, I'm going to attempt to read this article verbatim. It's from Christopher Rowland, Christopher Rowland from the Washington Post. Um, the Food and Drug Administration Wednesday released a scathing inspection report that cites multiple failures at the Emergent Biosolutions manufacturing plant in Baltimore that ruined 15 million doses worth of raw Johnson & Johnson coronavirus vaccine. Now I'm reading this verbatim because I just want to share with you all that's in the article uh, because it's, it's absolutely piss poor. Let me continue. The FDA said Emergent failed to conduct a thorough review of the incident in which vaccine ingredients from an AstraZeneca coronavirus vaccine were mixed with the Johnson & Johnson product. Now, to my knowledge, AstraZeneca wasn't, like, I don't know that was an option. So 
if that's the case, that means that something that hasn't been tested yet for accuracy or released to the public was mixed in with this Johnson & Johnson, which is how it partially how it became contaminated. So let's go further. The report says the sergeant has identified a batch of media used to manufacture Johnson & Johnson vaccine as the most likely cause of the cross-contamination, but the report cites a failure to conduct thorough investigations into unexplained discrepancy. So you're saying this is the most likely cause, but you didn't actually investigate what the hell took place. Let's continue. It also cites a number of unsanitary conditions in the plant. It said waste was not decontaminated and that inspectors found peeling paint in sensitive manufacturing areas. So this place isn't even properly painted, much less clean enough to manufacture anybody's vaccine and the waste not being decontaminated. Anytime you work in a chemical setting, a chemical lab, you can't just throw waste away indiscriminately. You have to, there's a process depending on what those organic components are of how it has to be, um, how it has to be uh, thrown away. You can't just throw it in regular trash and that be the end of it. In another finding, the report said a review of security footage showed employees failing to follow proper procedures in the handling of medical waste. So y'all are on camera just doing what y'all want to do as opposed to what is correct. And, and these employees know what the proper procedures are. Anytime you work in a chemical setting, there's all kinds of videos and updates and guidelines. So y'all just at the job doing what y'all want to do. Emergent said it was working to correct problems identified in the inspection report. Sounds like you got to start from scratch. Um, while we are never satisfied to see shortcomings in our manufacturing facilities or process, they are correctable wrong, and we will take swift action to remedy them. It called its employees who are cited multiple times in the FDA report for not following procedures to prevent cross-contamination of vaccines, quote, a heroic workforce who have stepped up to work 24-7 to ensure vaccines will be produced with the highest quality and quickly available to fight this pandemic. Right. Thank you for making it to the end of my personal experiment, hopefully. I will get the cojones to continue doing this and continue improving. If you have a weird random topic that you think I might be interested in or a sports topic that isn't covered by like those major networks who only cover LeBron James and the Cowboys, you know what I'm talking about, um, let me know. I'd love to give my half a cent's worth of commentary on it. Thanks.